Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am the host with Orchid Bloom's podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Orchid I Brown. Don't forget to follow the Orchid Blooms podcast on the Ambitious Obsession Network Instagram page at the Ambitious Net and on Twitter at the Ambitious Ops. Today's episode will be on ego. I used the term in the last podcast episode, part one and part two. I mentioned it in part one, which was a statement by Deepak Chopra. He said, Awakening happens when you are no longer living in a dream world where you filter everything through your ego. I had the title ego on my podcast list for this season, so I decided to move it up and continue this conversation. In part two of the Spiritual Awakening Third Eye podcast episode, I mentioned see things as they are without the shadow of the ego. So clearly the ego is very important for us as human beings to reach enlightenment and awakening. And it can also hinder our progress to become the best versions of ourselves, to really live in a world where we're not controlled by materialistic things as well as people. As I was writing this podcast episode, I remembered the song Ego by Kanye West and played that in the background as inspiration. I thought the song was really funny, but when I really thought about writing this podcast episode, that's the song that popped into my head. I used to love that song. I played the the song where he uh, did a remix, or not a remix, he had a feature of Beyonce on there. So you had Kanye West's version and you had Beyonce's version. And I thought it was just so funny that I am going to write this podcast episode about the ego, something that we all struggle with, something that we all have. No one is exempt. As much as people feel that they are so humble and so modest, we we are above ego. My friend, let me tell you, you are not because every single person on this planet has an ego. Let's begin. What is ego? It is defined as a person's sense of self-esteem and self-importance. To me, that doesn't sound so bad. Why do people view ego as a negative? Ego has the ability to make you focus on those aspects of the physical world that can actually have intolerance towards peace, harmony, and happiness. It acts as a deterrent to progress and should be treated as an adversary. Another definition of ego is an inflated feeling of pride in your superiority to others. That definition doesn't sound very good. Sounds like arrogance. What is the definition of arrogance since that definition of ego is so closely related to to the word arrogance the quality of being unpleasantly proud and behaving as if you are more important than and no more than other people that is the definition of arrogance so it sounds a lot like arrogance and ego have a superiority complex based on both of those definitions colliding A lot of people confuse ego and arrogance since they are so similar in definition. 
if you look at the negatives of ego, they sound a lot like arrogance. In my opinion, because I can't really speak for many people, it is a turn off to meet someone that is arrogant because they refuse to listen and believe they know it all. I usually agree with those people and walk away because there's no point in having an argument over something that they believe strongly to be true but doesn't have the evidence to back it up. My issue with arrogant people is that they feel their arrogance is attractive. It will make you want to be their friend or date them, but who wants to be friends or participate in a relationship with a know-it-all, especially if they don't want to consider your point of view? I dated a dude like that. We went on one date just for, you know, don't judge me. It was one date. And at the time, I did not know he was arrogant until after the first date. Actually, no, it wasn't after the first date. We still kind of communicated and we talked, um, but I really wasn't interested in in going on a second date with him. And the more I kind of got to know him on a person basis, I realized that he was really arrogant. So that is my defense for dating this person. But back to the story. He felt he was always right, and that could very well be true, but I couldn't prove that. So unfortunately, I just had to kind of take his word for it and just leave it alone. It was a complete turnoff for me when he thought every woman wanted him, and he would brag about that to me. So it's not like he just showed that he was the shit, is that he had the balls to actually open his mouth and tell the world that he is the shit. That was, that was just a turnoff. Because of his looks, he felt that every woman wanted him, but he did not seem to realize that he was flirting with all the women that he came into contact with. When he did not get what he wanted from them, because he likes to use his looks and his words to kind of get them to fall for him, and they usually do. They look at him with stars in their eyes because they're like, wow, this guy is so so smart and you know so handsome. Uh, he would say he was never interested after, of course, they didn't give him what he wanted. And that could mean many different things. I think at the time he was actually a salesperson and he was trying to recruit people to sell stuff for him because it was like a pyramid scheme that he thought was great. And so he would recruit boys and girls but he knows that women will sell the service better than men would so he started using his charm and he was very charismatic like he walks into a room everyone kind of knows he's there just by the way he positions himself his posture his speech all of it he carries himself very well so he was trying to definitely pick up women to sell for him the problem with that is that they initially thought his interest in them was serious, that the, that he was actually wanting to date them and get to know them and maybe pursue something more with them, but it was just a ruse to draw them in so that they could listen to his sales pitch and eventually they would then start figuring out that this person who was showing so much interest and complimenting them and you know asking them out you know for coffee or tea it was more about selling a product for them or joining his team to sell a product for him so of course when the girls realized this they're just completely turned off and they couldn't believe that they got played and pulled into this situation so they 
they were like, no, 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 I'm good. You know, I, I'm not a fan of people like you. And of course, he just kind of looks at them and says, well, it's okay. I wasn't really interested in you anyways, if that's what you were hoping this meeting was about. I just figured that you'd be really good at doing this. And I thought you wanted to be a part of my team. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, you are a bitch. <laughs> you are a bitch. Uh, most of the time he, he wasn't interested in any of these girls, but I mean, I don't think he would say no if they just said, Hey, you want to come back to my place and just do it. And then you can just go away. I have a feeling he would have said yes. And I'm certain he has at some point and then just kind of took the loss and walked away. But at least he got into the bed. You know what I mean? But he gave the impression that he, he did like them, like he was actually interested. And that was the part where, you know, I felt bad for these girls because these females felt played and they start looking at him differently. They weren't smiling at him anymore. They were just kind of, they had this screwed face. I don't know how you explain it, but it's not a resting bitch face, but it's just like, you know, when you smell something foul <laughs> that's the way the females were looking at him and this i witnessed as you know we were getting to know each other after the first date and i just wanted to make sure that this person was actually who he was so i was like you know what let's just hang out like normal you know we're gonna go to to a mall or we're gonna go to walmart and just do like regular things just want to see you interact with people and see how you interact out in public because going on a date with someone they give you the best version of themselves you really, you learn more about people when you go out into real life and you see how they treat others, you see how they think, all of that stuff. It tells you a lot about them. So of course I saw him, you know, we're walking up to, to this, this cash register and this girl was there and he's flirting with her heavily and I'm standing there watching this like, are you actually interested in this girl? Just to find out afterwards that he really wasn't, he just wanted to get her on his team. And I felt bad for this girl and I was like, yeah, it's a good thing I'm not going on a second date with you. He felt he could get away with anything, but that's how his parents raised him. He was a prince in his home. And keep in mind, he had other, other relatives, like he had brothers and sisters. So, but for some apparent reason, he was the prince you know, oh, you look just like your father. You're so handsome. You're going to be so successful. Your father's so successful. You're going to be just as successful. Like that's what he grew up hearing and people praising him constantly. So everyone he has met considered him to be arrogant, especially after they realized that they were being played. Like even guys disappear on him as well and girls. So I thought that was odd because I was like, well, with guys, it's not like you're flirting with them and hitting on them. But I guess, you know, in between the, the, the sales pitch that he was giving to them, maybe he started going off on stories and start talking about himself. And maybe he was bragging a little too much and it started coming off wrong. And so these guys, they hung out for, uh, for maybe once or twice, but then you never saw them again. Someone said once, and I don't remember where I heard this, but it was somewhere. They said that if you don't have any friends after the age of 35, like not one, someone that would truly stand by you, someone you've known for years or just recently met and you guys are having a great time to the point where they become a lifetime friend. If you don't have that, then other people aren't the problem. It's you. And when I heard that statement, I was just shocked because I never would have thought of that being, you know, at a certain age, um, at this point, you're a bit more seasoned than the younger kids. You have lived, you have experienced a lot. 
you have fostered, you know, good relationships with positive relationships with conversation and, you know, love for each other. And so after the age of 35, if you don't have any friends, like that really does look and sound bad. So when I think of the ego and arrogance, I think most of these people might not really have anyone on their side because they've just never understood that that tendency that keeps coming out and lashing out at people that might actually care for them might actually be affecting them to the point where they're isolating themselves. They're putting themselves in a situation where they can't even create good, positive relationships. Like that really sucks. But that's what came to mind after finishing that conversation. The fact that this guy who people have claimed that he is arrogant, even though I know it's an ego, the arrogance of, of, of him, he meets so many people on a daily basis and these people want to hang out with him and he wants to hang out with them, but he can't keep them. He really can't keep them. And that's the sad part of this entire story is that he really doesn't have friends. The other side to arrogance and ego is that we use it as protection. We may have been raised hearing we won't amount to anything or be successful, or we were raised as a princess or a prince who has never had to work for anything ever in their lives and who has never been humbled by life. So once it happens to us, we develop an ego that will fight against it. The hurt of being told you ain't shit makes you work harder to prove yourself or prove to yourself and not just them that you can in fact actually do this. Once you have accomplished that, no one can come up to you and say that you are nobody because you have worked hard and you have the proof in your mind, in your heart, and in your body that you are worth it. You know you're worth now. So the ego was in place when you never had to fight for yourself in that perspective, or you're in a situation where you're constantly being reminded that you won't amount to anything. The ego becomes that protection, that person inside of you that rises up and defends you or goes out and proves themselves. And so I view arrogance and ego on both sides of the spectrum, not just I have an ego, I know exactly who I am, I come from a great family and I have all these great things. It's sometimes in place for protection because you've just been hearing negativity constantly from when you were young and for others it's that you've never heard it ever in your entire life and then you go out into the real world and the real world is humbling you it's forcing you to stay humble and to just remember that you actually have to work hard it's a protection in both situations it's a protection that's my view of the ego the ego can be corrupted research have shown that the ego can be held responsible for many negative human traits including criticism and judging others, acting manipulative, being flexible and rigid, having mood swings, feeling fearful, being uncooperative, taking offense easily, feeling resentful towards others, feelings of hopelessness and despair, need for power and control over others, possessing a constant need for praise and approval, 
need to feel superior to everyone around anxiety or anxiousness, taking things too seriously, constantly worrying over little things, inability to live in the present moment. Those are just some of the negative human traits that you may experience from the ego, especially the corruption of your ego. All such negative traits have very serious consequences. It can easily make any person's life a misery. This can cause addiction to alcohol, tobacco, and other mild-altering substances. Anything that takes the edge off. In my mind, I associate these traits as insecurities. Insecurities is defined as uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, lack of confidence. That is the definition that I searched online. It is a feeling of inadequacy, not being good enough, which we've all felt at some point in our lifetime. So if you're going to say that it's not you, don't lie. And uncertainty. It produces anxiety about your goals, relationships, and ability to handle certain situations. Everyone deals with insecurities from time to time. It can appear in all areas of life and come from a variety of cases. The idea that people with ego are secure and full of confidence could be a lie for certain people. I deal with insecurities, but I am my biggest advocate and cheerleader. I am confident in my abilities because I am afraid of failure. (laughs) And let me tell you, that fear of failure really makes me do the most. And it also makes sure that I give 110% in every situation. I'm always thinking about different angles and I'm always strategizing. So yeah, that fear of failure really isn't a bad thing, but I'm just saying it's been a lifesaver in many situations because I just don't want to fail. When you are experiencing enlightenment, you are fighting against that side of yourself so you can truly be awakened. The quote at the beginning of this podcast episode, as well as part one of spiritual awakening, was awakening happens when you are no longer living in a dream world where you filter everything through your ego or part two which is seeing things as they are without the shadow of the ego that work of letting go and sacrificing your ego so that you may be in a better place is hard work you have to destroy everything that you have learned what you thought was right to become free changing your belief system and letting it go to to just release all that you have burden that you have placed on yourself because it's all a burden it adds up releasing all of that to find peace especially inner peace is so important it is incredibly important that you notice how your ego impacts your decision as it can be negative, it can be a negative influence. Having awareness of your ego plays a large part in improving your relationships with others, as well as your ability to manage others and yourself. The ego's job is to feel important. Its survival depends on it. Your ego needs to fight and defend itself. 
The ego needs negative situations to arise so that it can have something to do, something to worry about, or something to change. So if you're happy and everything is perfect, your ego will already be looking for an issue to cling to or a drama to create. The past and future exist only in the mind. The ego does not live in the present. Your ego wants you to be thinking about the past and future. This means thinking about things that have gone wrong in the past and things that may go wrong in the future. Every single time you take something personal, this is the work of your ego. Your ego takes you away from the present moment. Imagine living your whole life thinking about the past and the future and then realize at the end that all you ever had was the present moment, but you were too stuck in your head to fully engage your senses and enjoy the world around you. Here's how you can identify when your ego kicks in. Number one, have you ever disliked someone's success? Actually, I have to say that I've never disliked someone's success. I've always celebrated people, even people I didn't like. <laughs> Number two, do you compare yourself to others? Number three, do you look for attention? Number four, do you see yourself as better, cleverer, and nicer than others? Do you like talking about people's imperfections? Have you ever noticed that your virtue signaling, which means showing off how moral you are? And number seven, have you ever looked down on someone for not trying as hard as you? That part I am guilty of because I'm a hardworking person. So this is something that I have an issue with in the workplace. Because I give 110% in everything that I do, even if I'm sick, I'm still trying. I'm still giving about 80% even when I'm sick. And even though my body is saying, no, you can't do it, I'm still pushing myself to do it. And by the end of the day, I push past the pain or whatever I'm going through and I just feel that I have accomplished something which is technically not healthy because I need to start listening to my body more and if I can't do it I need to just get up and say listen I need to go home I can't I can't today and take a sick leave that's what I'm supposed to do but because I'm a hard-working person I don't know how to not do that now if I'm working with someone where I am doing 100% of the work and they're doing maybe 20% that does piss me off because at this point, you and this person or whoever you're working with is supposed to be a team. And now one person is taking on all the heavy duties and doing a lot more than they're supposed to because the other person just feels like they don't have to. And you can say to me that, oh, Orchid, that's really bad. Not everyone can give 110% like you are. But at the end of the day, if you're in a relationship and you find yourself doing most of the work, especially with chores, taking care of the kids, whatever it is, you're the one doing the most all the time. Guess what? That get that gets old. You start to turn around and become resentful and bitter towards that person. It's a human trait. There's no way around it. So I just feel that as much as what I just mentioned being you know a way to identify when your ego kicks in it's very difficult for me personally to relate to the last one which is have you ever looked down on someone for not trying as hard as you are i do look down at people for not working as hard because i understand that they rely on their looks i understand that they rely on their body and maybe they're very good and effective communicators and so they feel that they don't have to do any work because there's it's just smooth sailing 
for them to just not do any work and their job is going to be fine. That kind of situation does piss me off. But when it comes to looking down at somebody because they're not working as hard, it just means that they're not motivated. And not a lot of people have motivation to work hard towards their dreams, but that's a their problem. It's not a me problem. So I'm not going to take on that burden of how much work someone else is putting into their own future. That's not my responsibility. But if we're in a workplace or in a relationship and I'm doing most of the work and you're not even contributing anything whatsoever, I'm going to kick your ass to the curb. You and I will not be working together. You and I will not maintain this relationship. If you're not going to get off of your ass and you know match my energy, then we have a problem. It means that we're not compatible and this is not working in both spaces. There is nothing wrong with having an ego. There is nothing wrong with feeling important, but the ego needs to be regulated. The problem arises when it affects your decision-making, your mood, or it turns you into a victim or an underdog, or it makes you feel superior to others in order to justify your behavior. These things make you miserable. Your ego will fight this fact. It wants to look at the past and the future to find trouble so it can defend itself. It wants to fight. It does not want to be at peace. Your ego needs an enemy, a situation, or a problem to feel bigger and better than. This stops you from enjoying your life and accepting things as they are. With the process of enlightenment as well as awakening, The ego will fight you every step of the way. And that is something that I can say from experience. It was a struggle. It made the process much harder and much longer than it needed to be. Because for some apparent reason, I did not know in the how many years that I've been on this earth that my ego was stronger than me. That my ego was overpowering me. That I was no longer authentic because my ego was the driving force and you know i technically i had a vivid dream about this and i shared it with my brother my big brother years ago because my brother is very much into dreams so every time i have a dream and it's vivid and it's just a message in it but i'm not getting it i usually like to tell my brother about it and i stopped doing it for the past few years but i really need to get back on it and the funny part about that what i just said is that My brother listened to the last podcast episode, which is Spiritual Awakening Third Eye, and he heard um, parts of a dream that I had, and he was saying, like, you never shared that dream with me, and he's like, well, let me interpret it for you, so it's been really good this week, just having him message me his interpretation of my dream from Spiritual Awakening. I ended up sharing it with you guys first and not with him, and I actually feel bad about it, and then he mentioned about the snake dream that I had and how how um that really affected him as well he's like that's a scary dream (laughs) to be dreaming of snakes like four days in a row i was like yeah i don't i don't i don't know why i didn't talk to him about it i guess because i spoke to the guy who happens to be um i happen to have a soul tie with i didn't think i needed to i he already told me you know if this is it, like, no, block and delete, block and delete. So I didn't really need to talk to my brother about it. It was pretty straightforward. But even if it was straightforward, I should have shared it with my brother because he really loves this stuff. So I felt bad. But this is a story that I did share with my brother years ago. And it was now looking back, I understand that the dream was telling me 
about my ego and how my ego was overpowering me. So I'll share the dream quickly because I really don't want this podcast episode to go any longer than it needs to. But in the dream, um, I went to bed. I think I was fasting during that time. I was trying fasting and I failed. I failed at fasting. I have no idea how, you know, these Muslim people do it with Ramadan and they don't eat for the whole day and then they eat, you know, before the sun comes up or I, I forgot what it was. I need to learn more about that. But I couldn't do it. I can fast in silence. <laughs> I can fast my phone for a month if need be. You know, anything else but food, I'm sorry, my body just can't. But anyways, it was during the time where I was fasting and failing miserably and I went to bed that night. And in the dream, the dream was I was standing in front of my mirror and I was looking at myself and I happened to be talking to myself, but the girl in the mirror was like screaming back at me. And then she was just fighting all the time. She was just angry and she was just in my face and I was just standing there calmly just watching this person. So I never understood what it really meant. I just figured that the dream was telling me that I have two sides to myself. And that is very true. I do have two sides to myself, just as anybody else does. But the dream was just showing me that I do have two sides to myself. So that's my interpretation of that dream. But now upon doing this podcast episode, I kind of look back at that dream and it popped into my head and I went, wait a minute, was the girl in the mirror screaming and angry and fighting me, was that, was that my ego? Because during that time, I was going through an enlightenment phase. I was having vivid dreams all the time. And the dreams were warning. It wasn't even, some of the dreams weren't even about me. I think one of the dreams that I had like a month prior to that was that, uh, and I shared it with the person because the dream was about that person. And he was a pastor in a church and he was my pastor at that church. And I remember just I had the dream like a Saturday night and I went to church the next day in the mor Sunday morning and I remember walking in and he was like, are you okay? And I said, you know, I had a weird dream. He's like, oh, let's talk about it. So I went to a private area and I told him about the dream and I said to him, listen, the dream that I had about you and he's like, wait, the dream's about me? And I'm like, yeah. And I've been having vivid dreams for months and it was different types of dreams. Actually, it was that whole year, but it was the year that I was going through enlightenment. That was the year that I met my twin flame. So everything was coming at me all at once and the dreams just just became more aggressive and so so much more realistic. And I remember saying to this pastor, I said, you know, I, I had a really disturbing dream. And he's like, okay, what what was the dream about? But I could actually interpret it, which I can usually if a dream's about me, I don't ask me. I don't understand the dream. But if I had a dream about somebody else, I know exactly what what the dream is actually saying. So I told him that, you know, in the dream you you were approached by the head pastor and um, another woman who is a part of the leadership team and then there was his the pastor's the head pastor's wife and they said you know let's pray together and then they surrounded you and they put their hands on your shoulder and they prayed for you and while they you know the the head lead pastor opened his eyes and he was still praying as your eyes were closed and your hands were you know bound together and you were hunched over just receiving the blessing that they were giving you he pulled a knife out of his his back because i guess he was hiding it and then he walked around your back and he just kind of rotated and changed spots really so that the other one could pray for you while the head pastor stabbed him in the back and then he pulled the knife out 
And then they did a whole rotating switch again. And then the pastor's wife took the knife and then stabbed him in the back again and then pulled the knife out. And then they rotated again so that the, the one of the lady from the leadership team went was behind him and then stabbed him in the back and pulled the knife out. And then they stopped praying and they moved away. And I said, your back was bleeding. And they just kind of walked away like nothing ever happened. Like it's whatever. And he was like, oh, okay. And not even a month after that happened in the dream, and I told him about it, not even a month, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a month, it was like two weeks, so I told him the dream, and then two weeks later, those same people gathered together to backstab him by making up lies and like saying certain stuff and trying to create rumors and trying to get people in the church to turn against him by saying evil things about him so that they can kick him out. So he came to me after... All of that happened, even though he was destroyed on the inside. He came to me afterwards and he said, your dream was accurate. He's like, wow, you told me this a month ago. And he 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 said he he said he was sorry for not believing me because he rebuked what I said. He's like, there's no way that this is going to happen. These people love me and I love these people. You know, we're a family, we're a fellowship. And I said, "Okay, well, you don't have to accept the dream. But if it does happen, just remember you rebuked it. And what comes to you, (laughs) you were warned, you were warned, not my problem from this day forward. And then I walked away from him. So when he said he was sorry with tears in his eyes going, I can't believe you warned me and I refuse to believe you. And then this happened. He's like, thank you for having my back, even though I didn't accept it, even though I didn't respect it. And I'm so sorry for doubting you. And I said, no problem. I'm just sad that this happened to you. Because you really did think of these people as your family. You invited them into your home. You invited them into your life. You guys talked about stuff. They were in your marriage. and knew your children. And they had no shame in doing what they did. But anyways. So there was a, a combination of dreams during that time. Just to tell you. like From the beginning of the year. It was just dreams, 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 dreams. And it was just driving me nuts. Because every single dream I had meant something. And I didn't know. <laughs> what they meant except for the ones that were not about me so the point of this dream rabbit hole that i just took you down with me is that the dream was explaining to me that you know during the enlightenment process i was having so much difficulties because of my ego the ego the girl in the mirror looking back at me yelling and screaming and putting up a fight and the funny thing about that is after that dream happened another week passed and i had another dream where that girl in the mirror was no longer in the mirror and she fought with me like there was a fight she was like choking me like wanting to kill me and i was like whoa myself is trying to kill me what is going on so it's like i had to find a strength in the dream to fight against myself and win do you know how hard that is my god and it felt so real like it was a real fight like i could actually feel every hit i actually felt like i was being choked and I completely forgot about that dream. So I'm really happy I shared this on this podcast. Obviously, thank you guys for listening. But um, yeah, so that was my ego. Who knew that that was my ego? Positive ego brings us happiness. Even when things seem to be going against us, when we maintain a positive attitude, we experience calmness, inner peace, and contentment. In contrast, A negative ego brings nothing but misery, pain, and unhappiness, and uneasiness. Due to this, ego 
one also has to endure an internal suffocation and botheration. One can also suffer from bad health due to so much of tension that you are holding onto. Ego cannot be eliminated. It is a vital part of your our individuality. As a result, instead of aiming to destroy it, what we should aim to do is bring it under our control. When controlled, it's necessary to accentuate its positive attributes while suppressing the negative parts simultaneously. Seven ways to get your ego under control, because again, you can't eliminate it. A confident person respects themselves no matter what. Their ego will never run their show. So number one, take responsibility. Focus on the aspects of life which you can change. Taking responsibility for those or these aspects will give you a sense of control. Number two, stop beating yourself up. Life is pretty tough and everyone makes mistakes. If you know you're doing the best you can, that's all that matters. Number three, focus on growth. The outcome doesn't matter as much as your transformation. As long as you're growing as a person, the outcome will follow. Number four, take care of yourself. Don't feel ashamed for taking time off. Do something that you enjoy without feeling guilty about it. You're allowed to live your life the way you want to. Number five, don't speak badly about yourself. The words you say to yourself becomes part of your identity. Unconsciously, your brain registers everything you say. And if you keep telling yourself that you're not good enough, your confidence will sink. Number six, show kindness to others. Whether you're an introvert or not, we all thrive on social connections. And when you show kindness to people around you, you'll be in a much better place in your own head too. Number seven, don't value other people's opinions, both good and bad. <laughs> the moment you value good opinions from others, it makes you vulnerable to bad opinions too. Appreciate compliments, but don't allow them to become the validation of your self-worth. The ego will randomly pop up sometimes, but with self-awareness, you can keep it under control. Now, I've been talking a lot about keeping your ego under control. But we do have to talk about how to boost your ego for success and happiness. Because again, you still can't get rid of it. So you need to channel that energy into something that's positive, something that will benefit you. So why not target it towards success and happiness? So here's a list of things that you can do to help with that. Number one, never compare yourself to anyone. I mean, technically, we all should have learned that when we were little but we most of us are slow learners especially myself who's a late bloomer which is why this podcast episode i greet you all as bloomers not late bloomers but bloomers because i'm sure you are much more intelligent than i am so never compare yourself to anyone change your perspective of others we all have someone in our lives that makes us feel inferior but they are not perfect people why do we feel that? Because we are comparing ourselves to them. That's why we're feeling that. You won't know how harmful and damaging comparison is until you stop doing it. Once you've realized that everyone has their flaws and weaknesses, you will feel the freedom 
that lets you be yourself without bringing yourself down in front of others. Try to be happy with others' accomplishments without overthinking those of your own. Number two, surround yourself with positive people. I mean, majority of my podcast episode have been saying this, but I guess I'm going to have to repeat it again because in all areas of our lives, we really do need to surround ourselves with positive people. Imagine having friends who like to constantly put or point out your mistakes, flaws, and weaknesses. What real friends are supposed to do is tell you when you are at fault and stop you from making obvious mistakes. Number three, give up bad habits. Force of habit can be the most dangerous thing for people who want to make it big, but it limits them. A bad habit is like a cage you have voluntarily made to imprison yourself in. Unless you break open from them, you will not be able to use your wings and fly high. You need good habits to become successful and to to develop good habits, you need to get rid of the bad ones. Number four, conquering your fears. It is not natural for us to run away from opportunities to grow because they somehow involve what we are uncomfortable with or fear. Fear normally comes from the sense of unfamiliarity and lack of understanding. If we run from everything that is unfamiliar and arouses fear in us, how can we experience new things or even grow and honestly this one really speaks to me because i was afraid when i was when i met my twin flame i really was he really brought that out of me and so i stuck it out and i finished what i needed to finish and that kind of led me to enlightenment and awakening because of that my like i said my dreams got more vivid i just felt I felt different. I saw things differently. So it was an opportunity that I took, even though we didn't end up together, I still took it because the lessons that I was learning from that interaction was way more important than anything else in the world. Yes, I still ate, took a shower and went to work, but you know what I mean? Leading to enlightenment, it's a big deal. And at the time, I didn't know that that's what the experience was going to do for me. And if I had not continued with it, I would never have reached that enlightenment. Number five, be content with how you look. (laughs) Oh, man, this is something we should have learned a long time ago, too. But, you know, we don't. We grew up with looking at magazines and seeing, you know, skinny models and clothes that no one is going to be able to wear unless they starve themselves to death and all this makeup to try to look a certain way. And now in our time, we see on television Kardashians doing how much work on their body and their faces just so they can seem larger than life and you see all these celebrities going on television talking about you know i just i just had to you know do the work on my body so so that i can feel great about myself it was about empowerment to change my features and do all of this plastic surgery and it's like okay good for you being as rich as you are and still not content in your life so you had to go fix yourself so you can feel better okay good for you good for you so number five be content with how you look caring about your appearance can help you boost your ego in a healthy way being content with your appearance will insert some sort of power inside of you number six achieve a small goal 
I don't need to elaborate on that. You all know what that means. Number seven, get rid of negative thoughts. Again, I still struggle with this every single day. I, I mean, I feel like I have some sort of inner peace, but then I turn around and somehow my ego rears its ugly head and it's like, you're shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, why did you come all of a sudden? I would, I was fine. I should have just not turned my head. Maybe I wouldn't have seen you. Anywho, get rid of negative thoughts. You have to eliminate negative thoughts that come to your mind. If you constantly think to yourself that what you want to do is too hard, that you are not going to make it, or you are not good enough, your confidence will be destroyed little by little to the point where everything seems meaningless and in, impossible. So those are the little things that you can do to boost your ego for success and happiness. As much as they sound super easy on paper, and I'm you know telling you this in a podcast, it's really hard. And I'm saying this from experience. All of those points are very difficult to do, especially if it's a habit that you've been doing for years and you naturally do it. Good luck. It's going to be a fight, a fight for you. But to reinforce all of that, here are some techniques to let go of your ego and enjoy life. Again, you cannot eliminate the ego. You can only control it, but you still have to put in some practice other than the list that I just mentioned. You know, you're going to have to do that every single day, every minute of every single day, because, you know, the ego is going to creep in and say some really negative things in your mind and it's just going to affect you. But here are seven techniques to, to let go of that ego and to enjoy life. Number one, practice forgiveness and let go. Number two, practice honesty and being open. Number three, surrender your need for control. Number four, enjoy silent moments with yourself. Number five, practice gratitude. Number six, meditation. And number seven, be in the moment, just in the moment. Sometimes I'm overly honest to go back to the point of number two, practice honesty and being open. I am very open. I will tell you things that people would find embarrassing to share with other people. I don't mind. You know why? Because I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Because I want you to see my heart. Because I want you to 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 know that whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm saying is not from a mal malicious place. I want you to understand that this is just my thought process. And so I'm going to be open and honest. M most of the time, it's not something hurtful. It's just expressing something about myself and being open that way just kind of allows me to be a bit more free. I don't hold on to fear of what this person might think of me if I was to be honest about my situation. I release myself from that because that's how you end up lonely in life. That's how you end up isolated in life. That's, that's how you, you end up without any friends because you're unable to process what you're going through and explain it into words so that the other person can understand where you're coming from. And so that is one of the reasons why I've been using, you know, practicing honesty and being open as a as a way to free myself and to learn how to forgive myself. Because once I say it out loud and I say it to somebody else, it means that now I, I have to be accountable. 
I have to be accountable with what came out of my mouth. I have to really make sure that I work on that and change that. And it's a reminder. It's almost like I'm using my friend as a diary or a journal. <laughs> because if I'm writing it down and it's only to myself, I don't actually have to keep myself accountable. But if I say it to a friend and the friend is listening and said, you know what, I understand I've been there and blah, blah, blah. And they're being there to comfort me. And they in turn is sharing something with me. And then I am taking it in and saying, you know what? I've been there as well. I know exactly where you're coming from. Now we're both accountable for what we just said and how we are going to change it. That concludes this podcast episode on the ego. Thank you for supporting the Orchid Blues podcast. Don't forget to rate if the app that you're listening to this podcast episode on allows it. Rate and leave a review. Visit our website at taonetwork.ca and our social media pages, which are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession Network, Instagram at The Ambitious Net, and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. My personal Instagram page, as well as Twitter and TikTok, is at Orchid Eye Brown. Don't forget to click the follow and subscribe button and share your favorite episodes with your family and your friends. I hope you have a splendid day. Thank you.